0: Welcome back in on a Wednesday. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining us now, our guy ESPN Radio. You can check him out weeknights at 9 p.m. It's Freddie Coleman of Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Also, a note to the listeners, as we transition into Red Sox baseball this season, you can always check Freddie out during Sox games if there's a uh, crossover there on WDEVradio.com. So, Freddie, we appreciate you as always, man. How are you?
1: I'm good, my brother Brady. How's everything with you?
0: Good. We were just talking Red Sox, just talking a little baseball. Are you ready for opening day? You got any opening day traditions as we hit tomorrow?
1: Well, I've never had any opening day traditions, but I want to make sure that everybody realizes that I'm really glad that baseball is here. I'm glad that baseball is back. But I get the sense that we are outliers compared to everybody else, that it used to be so much of an excitement, not just from the hardcore fans of baseball like you and me, But even the casual fans are looking forward to opening day, and I'm hoping that at a certain point that Major League Baseball will get people excited enough to feel that way about opening day. But I can't wait to see what's going to happen, whether it's the Red Sox over here, the Yankees over there, the Dodgers over here, the Mets over there. I've always been a huge baseball fan, so I can't wait for things to get started tomorrow.
0: Is there one particular storyline you're going to be paying attention to in baseball this year?
1: Oh, the one storyline to me that I think the most important storyline is can the Dodgers repeat because it took them that long to finally break through and win the world champions because before last year happened, that had not happened since 1988, 19- And then they went out there and fortified themselves again yeah. to make sure they were going to have the best chance at repeating, and especially in a division that's definitely gotten better with the San Diego Padres and what they did in the offseason, keeping an eye on the Arizona on the Diamondbacks. They got a lot of young talent that's ready to come to the surface so I can't wait to see how the Dodgers handle teams in their own division because if everything breaks right for them, this could be a 100-105 win team that could be setting the pace in the National League and also for Major League Baseball.
0: Well, I'm certainly ready for opening day. Red Sox and Orioles tomorrow. Coverage starts at one First pitch is 2:10. And as one season starts, Freddie, another season is coming to an end, and that's the NCAA tournament. On the men's side, we are down to the Final Four. Uh, do you want to see Gonzaga go unbeaten and win the title?
1: I want to see great basketball, so I'm really looking forward to seeing exactly if UCLA can continue this run, although I don't think it's likely because Gonzaga, they're playing at a pace that I don't think anybody has seen since the 1981 Indiana team in which they beat their opponents in the NCAA tournament by an average of 20 points and nobody got close to 13 points to them except for North Carolina in a championship game. We have not seen a run like this in the NCAA tournament to this level since that time. So when you got Baylor and Houston on one side, I know that's going to be a competitive game. I think a lot of people don't expect the UCLA, a thirteen and a half point underdog as we speak, to be competitive. But if I see competitive, great basketball and care who wins, but well, it's going to be very, very hard to stop that bunch of Spokane, Washington, because they are playing at an elite times twenty-five level so far
0: this season. Freddie, I'm catching grief for this take on Twitter, so let me ask you what you think of it. I acknowledge that Mick Cronin has done a very good job at UCLA, and I acknowledge that this UCLA team has had a great run to the Final Four. But everybody calling UCLA Cinderella or fixating on the fact that they're an 11 seed, I I don't jive with that. This is UCLA, and I'd say the same thing if it was Syracuse or some other big program. People are asking me to look at UCLA in the same way that I look at George Mason, and I refuse to do that. I think UCLA is getting a little too much praise for this run what do you think
1: no they're not getting too much praise for this run because this has been a great run because many people did not believe that they were going to be michigan state and i know you see the letters ucla and it's hard to put them in a cinderella category and i hear you from that standpoint you can't put them in the same category as george mason because ucla is a story program and george mason had a story run getting to the final four the year that they were able to do that knocking up number one uconn to get to the final four but Cinderella story is a UCLA story this season. I don't think there's anything of doubt about that because nobody thought this team would do anything in the Pac-12. They're thinking that they could be a good team, but nobody saw this kind of run the way they've been able to play basketball. And even Mick Cronin, the head coach, was the third choice by UCLA before they decided to hire him. He even said nobody expected this to happen, and that's exactly the way that we like it. So I understand why you don't want to put UCLA in the Cinderella box. But for this year, they belong there because when you're in 11th seed, I don't care if you're a big program or not a big program, you still have to win a first four game to continue this run. They've become only the second team since VCU to do that, become the first four team and get to the final four. So I hear what you're saying, but I think it's a little bit off base here because they're not a Cinderella program, but for this year. UCLA ends a Cinderella story. I don't think there's any doubt about that in my mind.
0: Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, 9 p.m. tonight, 9 p.m. tomorrow, and then remember during Red Sox games, if there's a conflict, WDEVradio.com. Freddie, I want to move over to the Patriots. What do you think of the continued Jimmy G to Foxborough speculation? Are you thinking it's likely, or is it still Cam's team?
1: I'll believe that when I see it, because I know that Bill Belichick didn't want this guy to go in the first place until Tom Brady went to Robert Kraft, the owner, and said, Hey, Robert, a word, and then the next thing you know, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> was moved west of San Francisco. So I think Bill Belichick may still have a fascination for him. But at the same time, and this is the genius and the beauty of Bill Belichick, you never know what he's thinking. He's never getting any clues out there or having clues being put out there. He doesn't have any spies working for somebody else that can put out the anonymous sources next to the Patriots, he's always done a really good job making sure everything is covert where you never know what the Patriots are going to do or what the Patriots are thinking. I don't believe they're going to take a quarterback in the first round, but Bill Belichick, especially after what we saw last year, anything is possible with Bill Belichick because he's going to do everything he can to make sure he has the best players on his team and put themselves in a position where they're not going to be a playoff-less team like we saw in 2020. So I think that's a major factor, Bill Belichick. We don't know what he's going to do until he actually does it. That's been part of his genius, and that's been part of the Patriot culture and the Patriot way. I will say this. He does have some playmakers on offense that no matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's Cam Newton or the thing about swinging a, t- swinging a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever they're going to do, now you have some playmakers out there. The question is, does he believe that Cam Newton is the right quarterback? And I firmly believe that he is for the Patriots' sake because if he wasn't, they would not have given him, un- given him another year to come back with incentive that could net Cam Newton close to $14 million.
0: Interesting news today on Cam. Cam is going to be getting a eight-week-long television show. I believe the first episode is tonight. It's going to be a show and a digital show on, uh, on BET. And all I can hear now in my head is the Boston media questioning how much Cam is really committed to football because he has another venture going. So it's not so much about Cam. The question to you is, how do you react when you hear people question athletes' motivation just because they have other ventures or other interests?
1: Well, honestly, Bray, I just think it's stupid because basically you're telling athletes to just stick to sports and then don't, and don't do anything else. Well, how would you feel if somebody went in and said, hey, we know you got this great part-time job, but stick to the job that you love. You know that people will be giving a of you-know-what to somebody else. So what gives you the authority and the right to tell somebody that they can do something that's going to make their brand better and it's something they wanted to do and have an opportunity to do that? I've never, ever understood that. And it just really boggles my mind how the whole stick to sports thing got that political. Because if anybody had a brain in their head, they should have ignored any politician telling an athlete to stick to sports because we could have looked at them and said, why don't you stick to politics? You got enough problems doing that without telling somebody else to stick to what they're supposed to be doing in your mind. So I would never, ever tell a grown man or a grown, grown woman what to do when it comes to their life, whether it's personal or professional. And I'm not going to stand it up for anybody else, telling LeBron James or Steph Curry or anybody else to just stick to sports. They can stick to whatever they want, they want to do, and especially when they're doing their part to make sure everything's going to be better for them and their family. If you have a right to do that, then why should you deny them the right to do something like that, especially in the situation with Cam Newton? If you question his motivation to play football, then that's just ridiculous. If he didn't want to play football anymore, he would have tried to sign up for one more year to be in the NFL, which is exactly what happened to the Patriots last year and the Patriots this year. So if anybody even put that out there and make that part of the narrative, that tells me a lot more about them, not so much about Cam Newton and his quote-unquote motivation when it comes to playing football.
0: Freddie, let's move to the Celtics as much as I don't want to. They lose to the Pelicans the other day. They'll take on the Mavericks here in a bit. And uh, Jay Williams of ESPN yesterday, your colleague, was saying, why do Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge not shoulder more of the blame for this? And my simple answer was "Is because we always hear it's a player's league. Players get the credit. The coach has been devalued. So I think the players deserve most of the blame. What do you think?
1: Well, in this situation, the blame goes all the way around from Danny Ainge and not putting the right kind of roster together to Brad Stevens, who has fallen short from coaching and from the players who have not gone out there and be the kind of basketball team that we thought we were going to see. But I think as well, more than ever before, Brady, sports are a second by second lead. You could be you could be yesterday's headline last year and then this year nobody even gives you know what about you because you're not playing well. So, the Boston Celtics have not gone through anything different than we've seen from other teams that you have high expectations and all of a sudden when they don't meet those expectations, people are wondering what is wrong. I've not given Danny Ainge or Brad Stevens a pass, but I may be the outlier when it comes to that. And yet you can tell somebody it's the Players League, let's be honest, sports have always been a Players League. You're not going to do anything if you don't have the right kind of players. As great of a coach as Red Auerbach was in the 50s and 60s with the Celtics, if he didn't have Bill Russell, John Havlicek, Bob Cousy, Bill Sharman, the Jones brothers, and Sack Sanders, we wouldn't be talking about Red Auerbach in that same way. Same thing with Phil Jackson, the Bulls and the Lakers. Same thing with Pat Riley with the Lakers and other great coaches. Great coaches usually made because of great players and not the other way around. You can be the greatest coach in the history of mankind, but you have bums for a player. There's only so much you can do. So when people have thrown that out there that the NBA is a players league, if you're going to say that the players have power to speak up for themselves and not have a league overrun them, then you're right. It's a players league. But it's always been a player's league. In the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, you don't win if you don't have talent. And that's always going to be the case with anything, no matter what kind of coaching you have or don't have, no matter what sport that is.
0: Freddie, get you out of here on this double duty for you today. Radio show tonight. You were on first take today, uh, you know, uh, uh, banding about with, uh, with Stephen A.
1: Yeah, I hadn't seen Stephen A and Molly in such a long, long time. So it was really cool to catch up with them, and especially when Stephen A. gets fiery. That's why I couldn't wait to diffuse his whole rant (laughs) that he had about Russell Westbrook. I said, you know, you're beautiful when you're angry, just to kind of the level of tension a little bit when it comes to Stephen A., but anytime I get a chance to do something like that, I always relish that because it's such a popular show. It's such a terrific show, and you have two terrific people. People don't realize that you see the front of the face when it comes to Molly and also Stephen A., but the quality people behind the scenes as well. So anytime I get a chance to do something like that, it's always a blast and I always have a great time.
0: Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. The star continues to grow. So Freddie on first take, Freddie and (laughs) Fitzsimmons tonight, 9 p.m., all Red Sox season long. Anytime there's a conflict, you can always stream Freddie at wdebradio.com. So Freddie, we appreciate you, man. Be well. Enjoy opening day, and we'll talk to you in seven days.
1: Can't wait to do that again, Brady. You be well. Enjoy the Easter holiday weekend as well.